0: We're talking about truth for today and hope for tomorrow as we go into this series, which is our only hope, Jesus Christ, as you know. Just before I get into the sermon and the opening prayer, I'd like to mention that last night after the meeting, Anna and I arrived home only to have a phone call from my sister. She said, call me. You know how you get those late night calls. I called her back, and she let me know that my niece's husband had died that day. He was 44 years old. He was a good man. I had the opportunity of giving my niece away at the wedding. So it's unexpected when these things happen, and we'll just be praying for Dan Calcutta, Michelle, and Natalie. Natalie, his little girl was there when he uh, went to sleep. As you can see, the title of the message today is Sleeping Through the Sirens. Many of you know I was a police officer for 22 years or so. I spent almost a third of my life during that time in a squad car. We had many occasions to turn our sirens on. Sirens were a warning to people ahead that there was danger. It was also a comfort to someone who may have been in an accident or someone who was uh, being assaulted that we were almost there. It was also a warning to the perpetrator or suspect, as we call them, that their time had run out. So how appropriate sleeping through the sirens. You know, it's hard to be prepared for something when we don't know what's coming, isn't it? And as we get into the message, let's just bow our heads for another short prayer. Oh, Father, we've heard about the signs and the times. We've all wanted to know just when is the end. And I just pray that your spirit will hover over us here today as this message goes forth. May we... See by the end of this sermon that we're almost at the midnight hour. Come and speak through me then, Heavenly Father, and thank you for this opportunity as you have prepared this message through me. In Jesus' name, amen. As mentioned, it's hard to be prepared for something when you don't know it's coming. Would you agree with me? September 11, 2001, World Trade Center towers. People went to work on that day as usual, but had they known what was coming, do you think they would have gone to work? Absolutely not. Suppose you're getting ready to walk across the field. Just as you get ready to step into that field, someone yells to you, the field has a thousand hidden landmines in it. Would you go there? Wouldn't you be grateful for the warning? Did you know that Roman emperors used to use food tasters? Now here's a job for the unemployed. (laughs) They had to eat a little of the food prepared for the emperor, drink a little bit of his liquid. If they ate the food and drank the liquid without getting sick or dying, then the emperor would eat his meal. Maybe you don't want to apply for that position. If you think about drinking something and scientists scientist tests it first and he tells you it's filled with poison, wouldn't you be glad you learned that in time? Sure you would. Most bad things in life do give us warnings in advance. Some warning signs might tell us we could be headed for a heart attack or a stroke. There are plenty of warnings when hurricanes and typhoons and other things are on the way. Here's a question, is it safe to say that some people foolishly ignore those warnings even when they know what's coming? Imagine if the biggest event ever to happen in the history of this world was about to take place and no one knew it was coming. Well, friends, that just isn't going to happen because the biggest event in the history of the world will be here sooner than we can imagine. And this event is the return of Jesus Christ to this world. It doesn't have to be a surprise, because Jesus himself has given us signs to watch for. If we do not sleep through the silence, the signs will tell us exactly what to watch for. They will even tell us when his return is near. Jesus mentioned in John 14:1, Let not your heart be troubled. I will come again. Jesus then looked out over the valley there towards the temple, and he pointed to the temple which was the pride of Israel. Jesus prophesied in Luke 19.44 that when Rome's armies attacked, they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Now his disciples wondered about this. And they thought he must be talking about the destruction of the world or the end of the world with the destruction of the temple. They just couldn't fathom the temple, their beloved temple, being destroyed. However, Jesus was actually talking about the destruction as an event to take place in A.D. 70. We know that occurred. Then the disciples asked Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 3, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age?" Like the disciples back then, like us today, we want to know the signs of Jesus' return. Jesus told them they will see signs occurring, the signs will increase in magnitude and frequency, and the signs would actually be on a universal scale. So what are those signs? Today, as we walk through this message, we're going to look at 15 of the major signs that Jesus predicted. Number one, false cries and false prophets. Matthew 24 verses 5, 11, and 24 warns us, false christs and false prophets will arise. And did you know that right now in Africa, in Nigeria, There is a man there calling himself Jesus of Unimbo. This Jesus of Unimbo actually has twelve disciples. He also claims to have been resurrected from the dead. Ghana has a Jesus of Jeulo who also claimed he was resurrected from the dead. And he also has twelve disciples with him. Kenya has the Jesus of Nairobi with the same claims as the others and there's many more. Jesus said that before his return there would be an explosion in psychic phenomena and the occult. What about astrology and the new age movement? We heard Oprah Winfrey on one of her shows with this new age movement. She just can't believe that Jesus Christ is our savior. There are over 3,000 astrology columns in North America and newspapers alone. The occult with its magical arts are exploding here and there and in many other countries. And spiritualism, as you know, is on the rise. Sign number two, international conflict. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I don't have to mention what's going on in Iraq right now. and Just yesterday we had rumors of going into war with Iran once again. Our wars are now on a universal scale and the conflict is on a global scale. Every nation seems to be involved with our wars. Remember during the last century, World War I brought 20 million deaths, World War II 50 million deaths. In the last century, the world experienced the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Iran-Iraq War, along with the Indochina-Algerian War and others. Tribal wars continue in Africa. Add with that Afghanistan, Kuwait, Chechnya, the first Gulf War in Iraq, and now even the China-Tibet conflict that's going on and escalating. Our new 21st century continues with these wars, but now the war is in terrorism, along with the fighting in places like Iran and Iraq and other places. Need we mention the ongoing Israeli-Palestinian wars? So to review, Jesus predicted false Christs and false prophets the occult along with the spiritualism and the New Age movement of creation instead of the Creator, explosions of wars with conflict and strife, Jesus described to his disciples in Luke twenty-one twenty-five, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Did you know that marching armies indicate the kingdom of God is near? We can hear the sirens, can't we? Number three, potential for world destruction. Jesus himself said he would come when the world had potential for world destruction. There have always been wars, but never before in history has the human race had the capacity to destroy itself. You see, thermonuclear warfare is new in our society. The Bible says in Revelation 11:18 that Christ would come and destroy those who destroy the earth. A writer named Sir Charles Snow once said, We know with certainty of statistical truth that if enough of these weapons are made by enough states, some of them are going to blow up through accident, folly, or madness. Right now, at least 10 nations have nuclear capacity, and other nations, as you've been hearing, are working towards it. There are still 8,500 nuclear warheads, even after reducing them 3,500. Praise God, the angels are still holding back the winds of strife. Yet the world is still a very dangerous place to live. Would you agree? Laxness and security could allow nuclear material to fall in the hands of terrorists. Remember on the news a few weeks ago, the Pentagon discovered it had mistakenly sent nuclear warhead parts to Taiwan. They had ordered batteries, as you remember, and they got one of the two components needed in a warhead to activate an actual warhead. With global war on terrorism, many wonder if terrorists could build and use such a bomb. What do you think? Popular mechanics even mention when terrorists go nuclear. If a terrorist group or rogue state gets a hold of such material from smugglers, they solve the single most difficult problem in building a bomb. Noted columnists predicted, we are poised on the brink of the most calamitous conflict that can be imagined. Indeed, it cannot be imagined. Is there any good news in all of this? Christ is on the way. That's good news. Now that is really good news. He's our only hope in this troubled world. For now, let's move on to sign number four, which is Fragile Peace Agreements. Bible actually says in 1st Thessalonians 5 verse 3 for when they shall say peace and safety then sudden destruction cometh, cometh upon them and they shall not escape. Are political signings really meaningless peace treaties? Meaningless pieces of paper? Look around the world at some of the shaky peace treaties Middle East currently has a treaty, as well as others that are mentioned on the screen. And even though the treaty is in place between Israel and Palestine, the fighting goes on. We could talk a lot about this, but let's move on to sign number five, famines. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 7, there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Most people in developed countries get adequate food each day, like we do here in the United States. But for millions in many parts of the world, they're starving. It's actually sad but true. Many go hungry even here in America. According to the United Nations Environmental Studies, 3 billion acres of productive land has been damaged by human activity since 1945. You see, technology and industrialization are destroying this world. Look at the rainforest alone. Other nations in Africa, the World Watch Institute says the entire world is living hand to mouth trying to make it from one harvest to the next. On the news Thursday we were told there is a global food crisis. Wheat has now gone up around the world eighty percent. I know that to be true Ruth Ann and I uh, have been buying wheat berries for the bread we make. One year ago it was thirteen dollars for a fifty pound bag. Then it went up to nineteen dollars and we bought some last week and it was thirty dollars. We called them up later and said why are these prices raising so much and they said just be glad you got it last week because it's now forty dollars. And look at the other groceries. I hate to go shopping. I don't see how most people make it. Let's look at other statistics around the world. Approximately 57 million people die each year because of famine. This amounts to 56,000 people every day. Of the world's population, 60% are malnourished and 20% are starving. There are problems with the growing population right now. Many countries, as you know, can't feed the multitudes now. But the problem gets worse. By 2050, the Earth's population will be 9.5 billion instead of 6 billion. If the world were to go on by 2120, the population will have doubled to 12 billion. We can't feed the world now. Let's look at number six, pestilences. Jesus told us this would be one of the signs in Matthew 24, verse 7. There will be famines and pestilences in many places. Did you ever wonder what a pestilence was? The original word for pestilence in the New Testament language, Greek, means plague or disease. So in Matthew 24 it could actually read famines and strange diseases before the end of time we're to expect these strange diseases. Let's just consider some of the facts about AIDS for example. Did you know that there are 40 million people right now living with the AIDS HIV infection? Five million people acquired the HIV in 2003 alone with 3 million people dying of AIDS that very year. So far in the United States there are 900,000 cases of AIDS with 500,000 deaths. 25 million people have died from AIDS worldwide since 1981. That same plague even hits harder in Africa. One out of 11 people in Ethiopia have AIDS over 2.3 million per year in Africa that come to death because of AIDS. And it's sad that young people under 25 years old account for half of the HIV infections worldwide. AIDS is not the only pestilence on earth. There's the SARS, the mad cow disease, HATA virus, bird flu, and the Ebola virus. Sadly, this list goes on such as antibiotic-resistant venereal disease now, antibiotic-resistant smallpox even, and antibiotic-resistant hepatitis. Let's talk just a minute about mad cow when we're on this subject. Did you know that only one in two thousand cows are tested for disease in America? One in two thousand cows Even when in 2003 the Secretary of Agriculture said that mad cow disease had been found in the United States. Remember just about a month ago when they were showing on the screen how meat packers were lifting these cattle up with forklifts, prodding them along with cattle prods, trying to get them to the conveyor belt? They had to get them there for the slaughter so they could sell them. Well, do you know what the USDA said about that when it finally did come out in the news? They said it's none of the public's business who ate the recalled meat. I wonder if they fed it to their kids. Let's move on to number seven, environmental pollution. Isaiah 51, verse 6 is talking about the end of time. The earth will grow old like a garment. Can you see our earth losing freshness and newness? Is the air and the water even pure anymore? Recently, 1,067 scientists signed a global warning to all humanity. They said, If not checked, many of our current practices may so alter the living world that it will be unable to sustain life in a manner that we know. While trying to clean up the air, water, and the food, It is evident that our planet is deteriorating. Let's move on to number eight. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 7, there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. Now, we've heard about earthquakes forever, haven't we? Every year now, we have 6,000 major earthquakes in the world. A major earthquake, from what I gather, is over 7.0. There have been a total of over 1,434,500 earthquakes just since 1990 alone. In the last 90 years, we have had 1.5 million fatalities from these earthquakes. Earthquakes are the most devastating calamities a person can experience. February 4, 1976, Guatemala City. People were awakened at 3.40 in the morning by the sound of an approaching train. The Richter scale held at 7.5 for 40 seconds. The entire town was flattened and 30,000 people died. Later that same year, around the world, there was earthquakes in China with thousands of people dying and other places as mentioned, and now each year Tens of thousands are killed by earthquakes alone. And yet the earthquakes increase every year. You remember the Indian Ocean earthquake in 2004 that caused a tsunami that killed 250,000 people. Now, isn't it sad that there were no warning systems in the Indian Ocean? Even though there was up to a three-hour delay from the time the water actually came back in. But did you know that Many people recognized the signs, and they fled to safety. When the Bible says there will be earthquakes, it is another sign that our Lord is about to return. Number nine will be natural disasters. Jesus taught there would be an increase in all kinds of natural disasters. Have you seen the news lately? Jesus prophesied in Luke 21, verses 11 and 25, There will be earthquakes, famines, pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. And upon the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity, and the sea and the waves roaring. An increase in other natural disasters would undoubtedly include tornadoes and hurricanes. I mentioned that I've updated my sermon from day to day because it seems every time you turn the news on just Thursday, Tornadoes hit again in Texas and Arkansas, just this last Thursday, caused deaths and damage. In 1993, weather damage in the U.S. set new records of a total of 1,297 tornadoes, yet in 2007 alone there were 1,092 tornadoes. How about Hurricane Katrina? Listed as the worst on record. They updated their damage estimate in 2005 at $127 billion worth of damage. And yet nothing seemed to be being repaired right now. Did you know that scientists are predicting a volcano in the Pacific Ocean? Life magazine article described that uh, volcano like this. When the big one hits, it will have the power of one million atom bombs and the eruption will be heard a thousand miles away. Sign number 10, moral decay. Jesus said there will be moral deterioration in society. No. <laughs> Jesus pointed to Noah's day in Matthew 24:37, where he said, But as in the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So what were the days of Noah like? Well, the Bible says that they were so sinful that it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. Like then, we have wickedness, crime, and violence today. I don't see how it could have been any worse in Noah's day than what it is right now. Then the water fell. People had been sleeping through the sirens. The Bible actually says in Matthew 24:37 to 39 But as in the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also the coming of the Son of Man will be. What do you think it means, marrying and giving in marriage? Now, we know there's a lot of divorce going on right now, but it doesn't mean more than that. Today's statistics show marriages are in deep trouble. In 1900, there was one divorce in every 12 marriages. In 2000, there was one divorce in two marriages. Jesus said we would be marrying and giving in marriage. Did you know that 49% end up in divorce in the United States right now? But take heart. It's 65% in Russia and Sweden. However, in America now, fewer people are getting married. They're just living together. So we can't really see the true statistics when they separate. No wonder the teenage pregnancy and birth rate continue to climb. Sexual immorality is even taught on television to our children right now. The intent of thousands of the heart was only evil continually, Genesis six five. You know there was a little over a month ago a governor in New York there that was a good governor. He was hard on crime. He he prosecuted to the fullness. He even went up against those who uh, misused the stock market. Good man. He prosecuted prostitution to the fullness, and now he was caught up in that same It's estimated that he spent 40000 to $80,000 on his own prostitutes. And has cut a deal with the government that they won't look into it to see if that was public money or not. But take heart, the new governor steps up, David Patterson, first blind governor. In his acceptance speech he wanted to let everybody know right up front there that he's had a lot of affairs, but it didn't seem to matter to his wife because she said she's had many affairs too, giving and taking in marriage. Detroit Mayor Patrick, remember him on the news recently, and you can see why I've been updating and updating this sermon, he had an affair with his aide. To cover up what he had done, he put the heat on some police officers and accused them and had them fired. When they went to a hearing on this matter, he perjured himself. And now he's got his attorneys working, trying to be able to keep his position as the mayor of Detroit. Number 11, rising crime and violence. Jesus actually predicted there would be a rising crime and violence it would be just as it was in the days of Noah. Genesis 6.11 tells us the earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Today the earth is even more filled with violence. Sometimes violent outbreaks affect whole cities and even countries. Riots have resulted in racial and economic discrimination. Even people who were law-abiding citizens are carried away with a tide of lawlessness. Young people learn to deal with problems by using violence. An article in the U.S. News and World Report comments, Disputes once settled with fists between kids are now settled with guns. Every hundred hours more youths die in the streets than were killed in the Persian Gulf warfare. Jesus actually prophesied in Matthew 24, verse 12, as lawlessness spreads, men's love for one another will grow cold. Sign number 12 talks about an attitude of skepticism. Remember Jesus' prophecy in Matthew 24:39: They did not know until the flood came and took them all away. Noah had preached one hundred and twenty years to a people with closed ears. 2 Peter 3.3 tells us scoffers will come in the last days saying where is the promise of his coming? These scoffers always say we've always had wars, we've always had famines, we've always had earthquakes, we've always had earthquakes and crime. But scoffers will come in the last days The Bible says that those with an attitude of unbelief are actually fulfilling prophecy. They say, where is the promise of His coming? Do you know what the Bible says in Revelation 6.16 about these scoffers? These scoffers will cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them when they see the face of Jesus. Let's look at sign number 13, which is lovers of pleasures. Now, let's be honest, is there anything wrong with having fun? I don't think so. But 2 Timothy 3.4 tells us they will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, that's when it becomes a problem. The sports stadiums, as we know, the casinos, along with the lottery booths, are jammed. On the news just yesterday, the Olympic torch will go on despite protests against China and their treatment of Tibet. There's big money in the Olympics. Big money in the sports stadiums. Las Vegas is the number one tourist attraction in the United States. We can take our kids there now. They have special rooms for them, and it teaches them how to gamble also. Isn't that fun? Nightclubs, bars, and other parties are a day and night thing to do because we're lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Did you know that 28% of all alcoholics are under the age of 18. They learn at a young age to be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The use of cocaine, marijuana, methamphetamine, and other drugs continue to rise. Millions of teens struggle with drug addiction today. and I noticed that when I was in law enforcement. 13, 14-year-old kids sharing their drugs with their parents. We have become victims of a society that loves pleasures more than lovers of God. Media continues to glorify sex, immorality, and drug use. We are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Bible prophecies are being fulfilled before our very eyes. And let's look at number 14, which tells us about economic uncertainty. Anybody been to the grocery store lately? How'd it make you feel? How about gasoline? This is in the news almost daily. And what can we do about it? Nothing. Jesus said this would happen before his coming. Through the prophet James there, he mentioned in James 5, 1 to 5, and he gives this warning. Now listen, you rich people. Weeping well because of the miseries that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You see, James is addressing the non-Christian wealthy and describes the miseries that are coming upon them. Misery coming upon the wealthy indicates economic collapse. When James said, your wealth is rotted, moss have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver is corroded, it means there will be a quick, rapid devaluation of currency. Have you been noticing the fall of the dollar? Isn't it evident we're living in the last days? James continued, The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Almighty. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. At the end of time there will be disparity between those who have and those who have not. Have you been following the mortgage meltdown, for instance? Our economy is melting down even though the Federal Reserve has poured $237 billion dollars into these financial institutions. Did you hear the news about Medicare? Remember a few years ago when Medicare was revamped? It was supposed to be solvent forever. Well now, just on the news last week, Medicare will be bankrupt within 11 years. Social Security will follow. And you can see from this that the have-nots are going to have less. Number 15. Our final sign for today. The gospel is going to the whole world. Isn't it exciting that we are now converting more people in China than any other country to Christianity? Jesus said, "When you see it, my coming is near." Read Matthew 24:14 with me. "This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations." and then the end will come. Even the angels of Revelation 14.67 are giving the gospel when it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of the judgment is come. Worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and springs of water. Men and women in communist countries have heard the gospel. People are being baptized by the thousands. As mentioned, China has tens of thousands baptized each year. Doors are being opened for the gospel. Amen? We see the reports of famine. We hear the reports of earthquakes. Hurricanes and tornadoes are on the news weekly. We continue to read the reports of broken homes and the drug problems, and these signs are all around us. The sirens are sounding. The coming of Jesus is very near. The man was living in New York City. He became so accustomed at night to the constant sound of sirens that he said he could sleep through any noise, even those directly beneath his window. Do you think there's a danger that we have come to that place? Have we so constantly heard the signs and the silence that we no longer notice them anymore? Friends, the siren is intended to wake us up and to warn us. To warn us of what? Jesus coming very soon. His coming is near. You know, the world seems hopeless right now, doesn't it? I'm tired of this old world, and I know you are too. There doesn't seem much hope for it. I'd like to read you something in Isaiah 40, verses 20 and 28. As to comes up to uh, play and sing the final song for us. Dear friends, have you not known, have you not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, and he does not grow weary? There is no searching his understanding. Dear friends, he gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Listen to this song, it's Amazing Grace.
1: Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, who once is lost, but no one found was blind. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my feet. How precious did that grace appear?
0: Glenda. just a moment I'm going to have the prayer and then after the prayer the pastor will have some final remarks. If you haven't given your heart to God yet, now's the time. We've mentioned the midnight hour is almost here and some people say I'll wait till the 11th hour. But you never know if your life might end at 10.30. Get ready to meet him. He's coming soon. Shall we pray? Well, oh, Heavenly Father, I pray for Michelle and for my sister and, and for the families of Dan Calcaterra, who died just yesterday at the age of 44. And we give praise to you because he knew that he was going to heaven. He was right with you. And we know that, as the Bible says, the dead in Christ will rise and then we which are alive will, and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. It's going to be exciting to see those who have fallen asleep. But for now, give us courage, give us strength, and come with us as we inch closer to that final day. Help us to always be listening to the sirens and watching for those signs in Jesus' name. Amen.